This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 60 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11 to hear all about our upcoming episodes. And of course, you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. There are many ways to listen to all 60 episodes of the On The Banks podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcast and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks podcast. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, you can find all of our episodes and so much more great content by going to onthebanks.com. I'm very excited to be joined on episode 60 of the On The Banks podcast by former Rutgers basketball associate head coach and current radio analyst Joe Boylan. Rutgers men's basketball, they've entered really a make or break scenario as they begin their final three game stretch of the season. You look at at Penn State, home versus Maryland, then to finish it out at Purdue. And then of course you have the Big Ten tournament after the fact, you know, they're two and one against these three teams already, only losing to Maryland by five in College Park, and of course, beating Penn State and Purdue at the rack. You know, we as fans have been going back and forth really about what Rutgers needs to do in these last three to put themselves really in a more favorable position regarding the NCAA tournament. Most are in the group of believing two and one in these last three essentially clinches a ticket for Rutgers. And while I'll agree, I think if you go 2-1 in these last three, Rutgers is going to be in the tournament. I don't think they need to even win two. I'm sure I'm in the minority, and look, I'm not a bracketology genius, but with their strength of schedule and their net ranking alone, I think one win will do it for them, especially if that win comes on the road either at Penn State or at Purdue. If Rutgers, as I said, beats Purdue hypothetically but loses to Maryland and Penn State, I think they're in. If Rutgers beats Maryland but loses to Penn State and Purdue, I think they're in as well. Again, I might be in the minority, but I just have a hunch. You know, my gut is telling me all it will take is one win. Win one of these next three, the Big Ten tournament first round game, in my opinion, then just becomes to upgrade their seeding for the NCAA tournament. But regardless of what happens in these last three, I want to quote a good friend of the podcast, Jerry Carino. He said that while missing out on the NCAA tournament, yes, it'll be disappointing, but the season will in no way be a disappointment. Progress has continuously been made as it has every year Coach Peichel has been here, and Rutgers has reached heights this season that we haven't seen in a long time. So enjoy these last three games. It's been a fun ride. There are great days to come both here in Piscataway and nationally for Rutgers basketball. Time to talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. Joining me on the podcast to talk about the tough stretch for Rutgers and the final three games of the regular season is former associate head coach and current Rutgers basketball color analyst, Joe Boylan. Joe, how are you? Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, excited to be on. It's a, it's an exciting time for Rutgers basketball and for Rutgers athletics. Uh, needless to say, a lot of good things going on. Let's start with the last two games, a loss to Michigan at the rack and then a loss to Wisconsin in Madison. You know, the losses have kind of stopped the brakes momentarily on what has been a really fun season. Why do you think this team has struggled as of late? What are they doing, or maybe not doing, that has pushed them into this two-game slide? Well, I think one thing when you when you got uh, before the Michigan game, uh, the Rutgers schedule was the number one most difficult schedule in the country going forward. That 
having been said, then Michigan, it turns out, is playing, even without livers, they're playing, apparently, according to all these statistics, the top two or three in the country. And uh, I just think that we, uh, you know, we ran into a good Michigan team. Their left, no question, bothered us. You know, I thought we played pretty well in that game for long periods, but at the end, the last 10 minutes, you just couldn't make a shot. I mean, literally could not make a shot when we went. No, I think we went seven or eight minutes with one field goal, and you're, you're not going to beat a good team doing that. And, uh, you know, I think that was that was a factor. In fact, Michigan is very good, too. And and we had, you know, we had a, we had a couple people that didn't score. McConnell didn't score. Johnson, you know, those kind of things. It's... Uh, uh, Mathis, uh, you have three players that don't score. You're gonna, you're gonna be hard put. And still, we got into the 70s, which was, which was pretty good. And um, you know, I think the other thing is uh, when you play as as the season goes on, you play different teams and everybody plays each other twice. I think the 20 game schedule for the Big Ten, without rambling on much further, I think the the impact of it is beginning to be felt by a lot of teams. 20 games is a lot of games, especially against high quality opponents. I mean, there's nobody except probably for Northwestern, but even Northwestern on their home court, you know, can give you 30 really good minutes. So it's, it kind of beats you up a little bit. So, but it is a schedule and, uh, you know, I think coach Pike and the players and, and have done a great job and the crowds have just been incredible. I think that's, uh, I remember talking to Tom Izzo, this was in, uh, when we played him out there in January and he, t- he, he said, he thought that, at that point of the season, that Rutgers was the toughest place to play, and he was happy that he didn't have to come here. So I think we've created a you know a, a great uh, home court advantage. Um, but I think right now it just comes down uh, the game the other day in Wisconsin. We actually played it's probably one of our best offensive games, certainly the first twelve to fifteen minutes of the year. We executed well, a lot of assists to baskets. And we shot 70%, and yet we were still down, and you know, because Wisconsin was knocking down threes from all over. So, um, and I thought in the second half, again, we we were right there. They made a little push and pushed it out. It looked like the game was over, and this team like never gives up. So they suddenly go on a 17 to five run and get it back to five, and uh, Tice makes a, a really a tough, tough shot over. Miles Johnson from the left corner to put him up by seven and change the game. So I think it's just um, Wisconsin's playing very well at this point. You know they've won five out of six, and uh, you know so we're playing teams that are playing very very well. And obviously Penn State, I mean, had a loss the other night, but that'll be a tough game. So um, we just have to play almost a perfect game somewhere in these next three games. That's what we need to be very honest with you. I think if you're going to take away any positives from the most recent stretch, it's the play of Gio and Ron Harper Jr. You know, Gio obviously struggled midseason, but really turned things around since Northwestern. And Ron has scored double digits in three straight games. What do you think has helped them turn their seasons around after both going really four to five games of poor shooting and, of course, low scoring? Well, I think Gio coming off that uh, broken uh, finger, I think uh, although he's such a he's such a warrior and he, he's an incredible player and warrior and uh, a great person but I think he would it just he was just a little off you know and, and then he we finally got it back and I think probably the fact that he was out a couple games probably actually helps him recently because he's, he's got he's not quite as worn down as he would be and Harper I just thought uh, yesterday was a classic example of him just you know stepping up 
in his improvement as a player. He comes out the start of the second half and scores, you know, Rutgers' first 10 points. But he did it really aggressively. You know, they ran some stuff for him. They do an isolation on the high post where he can drive from left to right. And just really, really just strong, aggressive offensive move, along with nine rebounds. So I, and he, you know, if he knocked down a three, and now true, it was a bank, but that's okay. We'll take them all. <laughs> we'll, take a four, we'll take a four point on that. But he just seems to be playing with a little more energy and a little more uh, on the offensive end and kind of t- trying to take over uh, parts of games. And I, I think that's, and that's part of the maturity, I think, also. So I think with Geo, he just, he's back to being Geo. And I think, uh, as I said, I think the hand. It just bothered him a little bit. And when you're a player like that, uh, just a little bit can make it. For so now, I think he's playing at a really high level. And, and Harper, this is—I think he's averaging 20 points a game the last three games. So he's, this is the best stretch he's had. And the fact he's beginning to rebound now also helps. And on the flip side, Caleb McConnell and Miles Johnson have struggled to get it going offensively. Seven points for Caleb in the last three games, only 12 for Miles. Do you think for both of them, this struggle is more of just a lack of confidence thing? You know, have defenses been guarding them differently? Why do you think that all of a sudden they've now struggled to hit shots? That's a good question. I actually, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a coach anymore, but I just, I thought with Caleb's case, I just thought he was, he was kind of guiding the ball a little bit. And I, I talked to him before the, uh, before the game and I said, look, just shoot the damn ball, you know, forget him, you know. And uh, just get back there because I think he's got one of the best pull-up jumpers, mid-range jumpers around. I mean, he gets up, he's got length, and he he rises up, and he made one, he missed one. Um, but to, yeah, to me, he was he was just rather shooting, and he was pushing. And once you start doing that, you know, you're gonna you're gonna, and then you then you begin to lose confidence too. That's the other thing. Uh, when the ball stops going in, I think that's what happened in Michigan. We started missing shots, and then then all of a sudden, every possession becomes becomes a grind and players are smart they have they have internal clocks they know that, that, that maybe they haven't scored for the last five or six times and those kind of things and uh, and that's why i was really impressed with the way they came out against wisconsin because they really moved the ball and and really executed extremely well offensively and just ran into a incredibly hot wisconsin team playing at home so um and with Miles, it's it's amazing how many shots have rolled off for Miles. I mean, he gets inside and he, and he just he's missed probably I would say in the last three games probably six or seven little layups that just have rolled off the basket. And he even missed a dunk the other day. So, um, but he finally got came back and got that. Um, uh, I, I don't know. You know, as I said, I don't, I'm not in practice every day, but. Um, He's. I thought at the end of the game the other day he was. I mean, he actually got a charge, which I was. You know, you know I like to see that. But I thought it was actually you know, an offensive foul. He was. He was aggressive, um, and he's. He's probably lost a little confidence too. You know, he's a. He's a. He's a very a young player. You know, and uh, he's playing in the league with a lot of good people, big people, and Wisconsin's uh, uh, Reavers is a good player. But then they uh, add the kid Potter started at Ohio State and just became eligible a month and a half ago. So now he's playing against some, you know, some pretty talented players. So I think in his case, he just needs to get started early. You know, block a couple shots, get a couple dunks. Uh, he is, his foot, he's done some really good moves. Uh, he's really improved his footwork. But even in that case, he's kind of pushed the ball and it's gone over. So um, he's got a, he's got a terrific upside. 
As a coach, were you worried about the NCAA tournament buzz because it's been there really all season? You know, team got off to a hot start, they became ranked, and they've really struggled over the last month. Do you think this increased expectation can weigh on a team or distract the team, especially one as young as Rutgers with only one guy in Jacob Young who's actually ever played in the NCAA tournament? Sure they do. I mean, the players are well aware of the situation, you know, and they, uh, you know, they we got on that roll. Everybody talked about that. That's where everybody, it's a goal from the beginning of the year. I think it was from the, you know, the time they went to, everybody talked about getting in the NCAA this year. And yes, I think there's, you know, there's no question there's, there's some pressure, but that's college basketball. I mean, it's uh, and as I said, with social media, because as soon as the game's over, you got all your friends texting you and saying, Hey, you know, either good or bad. And so they, it's not like they, you can hide from it and you've got to, you just got to embrace those expectations. And we know what we have to do. We got to win a couple of games uh, in, in the next couple of weeks. There's no question about it. And we put ourselves in position. And uh, I mean, you hate to lose it, but these are bad losses. I mean, Michigan uh, is again, as I said, playing very, very well. Uh, Wisconsin's playing well. So the only thing they heard is that they have only won one game on the road. You know that that's a factor. And uh, you know, it's it's a difficult time because this is a team that's built on defense and rebounding. And um, as the season goes on, I think Dave Van Dyke's done an incredible job conditioning these players. He really has. They're they're well conditioned. It's a question about it. But when you get even if you get a little tired, the first thing that goes really is your offense. And we struggle offensively anyway. But as I said, I thought against Michigan we started early played pretty well early, then we struggled really the second half. And I guess Wisconsin, we we actually played pretty good defense most of the game. We just settled stretch during the second half. But um, so if we can if we can go to Penn State and continue to execute offensively like we've been doing it to win, and then uh, you know play the kind of defense we can, we have a chance. Um, but what happens sometimes is when you're when you're struggling, uh, the defense is really hard work and intensity. And uh, uh, sometimes you can, you can lose a little of that. I had a friend of mine who's the longtime AD at St. Joe's, Don DeJulia, his name is, and uh, like 40 years, he came up. He had never seen us play. He came up to the Michigan game because uh, Phil Martelli, his, his long-term, long-time coach, is on the staff. And he, he after the game, he came up to me. He says, "My God," he says. He says, I've been watching basketball for a long while, but how do you get eight, how do you get nine guys to play defense? But this is crunch time, you know? And, and you know, we, you're right. We don't have, we don't have veterans who have been through this before. And, uh, um, so now you just have to pull together. I, Coach Pichel talks about it all the time, you know, hey, you know, this is the kind of team we built. We're building grit and determination. And we'll just have to keep going. You know, what does this team have to do to win on the road? Why have the struggles been so evident there? Of course, they don't have the home crowd behind them, but it's got to be more than that. Why do you think the road has been so difficult for them this season? The thing is, I think when you when you don't win on the road and the game gets close, you've got to convince yourself you can you can finish it out too. And uh, you got to believe in yourself. This team still believes that they can do it. And, I mean, you can see it. I'm around them a lot. So, it, uh, but... Um, when you haven't done it, it makes it it makes it difficult. And, we, and we've gotten so close, you know, so many times. And the other thing is, uh, and I don't at the end of the games, we don't get very many foul calls, and we don't we don't shoot very many fouls in the last four or five minutes of the game. 
And, you know, I don't look at the films, but it just seems that the discrepancy is pretty great. So we don't get many breaks like that. So the other factor is I think we've been behind in a lot of the, in some of those games. And it takes a lot of effort to get back even. And uh, sometimes it just, you know, you just don't have any, anything left. So, And you're playing the best league in the country, and all of them have terrific home courts. You know, it's, it's not easy, that's for sure. I mean, Ohio State has, what did they say, the second best home court record in the country in the last decade. So, but that's the league we're in, and that's that's why you want to, that's why you want to be in the Big Ten, and that's why these players are here, and uh I think uh, so. It can be discouraging, but it it's a lot. You're, you know, we've put ourselves and Coach Pike and the staff and the players have put themselves in a position. That, you know that, that we're, you know, we're, we're we're still we still have a good shot at the NCAA. We just have to win a couple games. I mean, because our our NET whatever that thing is from the NCAA, we're still in the high thirties, and that's better than most people. Joined alongside by Rutgers basketball radio analyst Joe Boylan. You know, looking at the last three games, Joe, at Penn State, home against Maryland, at Purdue, all three very tough, obviously. All three potentially have NCAA tournament implications for both teams. It's been debated on message boards over Twitter what Rutgers has to do to more firmly be in the NCAA tournament hunt. But what do you think needs to happen for the Scarlet Knights these last three to not necessarily clinch a spot, but put themselves at least in a more favorable position? I mean, I think they could still make the NCAA if they lost all three and if they won two games in the Big Ten tournament. But I think that the best scenario is to win a game or two, if you could, and then win a game in the NCAA in the Big Ten tournament. And then, then there wouldn't be, you know, there wouldn't be any discussion. Uh, because the fact that we've been talked about for so long and most, you know, all the stuff uh, that we've been, you know, eighth or ninth seed, or, you know, when we were, when we hadn't lost. The fact is we were in that discussion helps. There's no question about it. It's not like we came from nowhere. Um, I mean, to me, the you know, obviously, if you can win at either Purdue or Mich- or Penn State, and we've won at Penn State, you know, the uh, we've been able to beat Penn State at Penn State, and uh, so if you, if I think if we won that game and one game in a tournament, we'd be in good, we'd be in good shape. I'm going to ask you to compare this year's team and really the progress over the last few seasons to the teams before the Final Four of 1976. Is the young core that Steve Peichel put together similar in any ways to the core of players that you as a staff had in the you know 74 and 75 season leading up to that magical run in 1976? I don't think it, I don't think it's a fair comparison because you know we we you know we've been to the NIT. Uh, our first year at Rutgers, then we went to the NCAA and lost to Louisville, who ended up, I think, lost losing to UCLA in the finals. And and we had, you know, we had a first team All American on that team. We had Phil Sellers, who's one of the better players in America. And on that team, we also had Eddie Jordan, uh, you know, a consummate point guard, one of the best, again, one of the best point guards in the country. And we had Hollis Copeland, who athletically may have been one of the best athletes ever to play at. Rutgers and he was a terrific forward and um, you know we had we had really good players we had Mark Collin who was a very very good guard on that team and, and Mike Dabney so we had some really high quality players and then we added James Bailey the next year so uh, when Bailey came in all he had to do was block shots and rebound but uh, it's not a fair comparison because the program actually when we got there uh, you know 
they had some good players. The Sellers was there already. Now we added Jordan and Conlon and Copeland and, and Hefley and, and a lot of the players. But we were, we were a pretty good team uh, in 70, 74, 75 uh, with high-quality players and who could score. Uh, and we scored a lot of points. And the next year we scored, we averaged that 76 team averaging 93 points a game you know, at a time when you didn't have a three-point shot. And and we, we were a different kind of team, too. We pressured a lot, and we had good depth. We had guys like Mike Palco and Bruce Shear, guys coming off the bench who were who were who who fit perfectly into what we wanted to do. So when Steve came in, he basically started, you know, in Elvis, in, you know, at the bottom, to be, to be honest with you, very, you know, no comparison. Um, so we had players again, I went, guys, I, I go back, I got to go back to Phil Sellers and Phil Sellers is one of the best college players. Uh, he was just a, he, and he was a, when the game was on the line, Phil could win the game for you. He, he could carry the team. And, uh, uh, and he was just, he was relentless. And it was, he was first team all American in 76 first team. That's, you know, that's, that's something. And, and, uh, Rutgers has good players now, but they don't have players. Uh, and again, I'm not comparing eras but what i'm comparing is the players of that era were better than the players of this year are looked at you know and i'm not putting down this year's team it's just that that that, our, that team was was pretty good we won 20 some games and we as i said we you know we were we were we knew we were we walked off the court in oral roberts in tulsa and and we had been spending i spent i actually spent a month there or a year in boston recruiting bailey because we knew and we knew we needed a big guy, and we just said, "Hey, we just need one more player, and we we have a chance to go maybe go to the next level, which is, you know, staying a lot." So that's how good that team was. Joe, a few more before I let you go. Looking at the Penn State game coming up Wednesday night in Happy Valley, if you could pinpoint one or two guys that need to step up, that need to have big games in order for Rutgers to win, who would you focus on? I, what I would say, I would love to get back to we have like four or five guys in double figures. If we do that, I think we're going to win the game. Uh, because I think uh, Harper is on a little bit of a roll now. Gio's playing well. and Now we just need to get uh, we need to get a couple of those other guys back. Uh, whether it's McConnell or whether it's Miles Johnson. Uh, um, we just we just need to get some, some others. Now, Yaboa has played really, really well. Um, and you know he's been he's been a very consistent player. So we just need to get somebody besides those three scoring. And as I said, if we can get in double figures, because it takes the pressure off then a little bit. You know, when you move the ball, if you see the ball go in for different people, uh, it, it makes a difference. And, and I think, and I think Miles Miles, I think if they can get him the ball, he, I think he can score against Watkins. And because he got him in foul trouble the first game, and uh, hopefully that could happen this game. Um, to me, that that's because we'll play good defense. That won't be an issue, you know. Uh, and uh, but to me, it's, it just comes down to our offensive execution. Last one, and I'm going to ask for a prediction on this one. Do you think on Selection Sunday, March 15th, only a few weeks away, we will see Rutgers in the field of 68 heading to their first NCAA tournament in almost 30 years? Now, I'm an Irishman. You know, there are two kinds of Irishmen. They're the, they're the kind that think, you know, the world's going to end tomorrow morning and the kind that, that know you're going to end up having a beer in Dublin before your life ends. <laughs> I'm, one of the, 
I'm the one that believes I'm going to be having a beer in Dublin before my life ends. I've had a few over the years there. I, th- I think I think we have a good shot. Yeah, I really do. I think we're going to we're going to win a couple games before the before the Big Ten before we're finished, and uh, that'll put us in the tournament. And it'll be a lot of fun for a lot of people. You can hear him alongside Jerry Recco for every game. Joe, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and, of course, taking some time to really dissect this last three-game stretch for Rutgers basketball as they, of course, hope to make an NCAA tournament run. Well, I appreciate it. Just a, a word to the fans. As I said, I've followed Rutgers basketball. I actually played as a freshman in college in 1956 in the old bar, but the fans have just been extraordinary. And wherever I go, uh, I was in Baltimore this weekend, and that people people were stopping me and talking to me about it and asking me what it's like to be at a game there. And that's just extraordinary. And, and I think the fans deserve an enormous amount of credit for that. And it's, it's, it's been wonderful. And then it's, it would really be a great national story because I think if we could get there and it would beat Maryland and go 18 and one and just, it'd just be terrific. And these kids have worked very, very hard and they deserve it. So are the coaches. And so there's all the Rutgers fans who have been long suffering. So, <laughs> Look, it, it's been a fun season so far, and hopefully with three games left, that fun, you know, obviously continues both at the Rack, in Happy Valley, and of course, at Mackey Arena to end the season. Joe, once again, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you giving me the time. All right, one more thing. You know, when my dad's from Brooklyn, I used to go to Ebbets Field. That's how old I am. But I can remember when Gil Hodges was in this big slump during the World Series uh, at, at the Masses on Sunday in Brooklyn, the priests would be praying for Gil to get out of his slump. So if you're a Rutgers fan... Say a few prayers for the ball. <laughs> the all right, great. Take care, all right? Joe, take care. Thanks so much. I want to thank Joe Boylan for coming on the podcast to talk some Rutgers basketball. You know, I don't know many others, if there even are any, that are more knowledgeable about Rutgers basketball's past and present. It was great to hear him talk about the memories he had of the seasons leading up to that 1976 Final Four run. And it's always, of course, great to hear his humor at the end of the discussion. But when talking about this season, you know, he's still very optimistic. And frankly, so am I. This team has struggled these last two games, yes. But even with the struggles, the opportunity for a W was there in both of them. These next three games at Penn State, home versus Maryland, and at Purdue, I think are all winnable. The road struggles have been there. But to me, all that means is that Rutgers is due for a win. They have three chances now to get that one win that I think they need in order to make the NCAA tournament. Which game will it be? I'm not sure, but I could see it coming in all three. You know, friends of mine have asked if I'm worried, and my answer is always no. I'll let you guys know when I'm worried. Why is it no? Because Rutgers controls their own destiny here. I think a win, and they're in. Frankly, I do. And even with the struggles of late, I have a good feeling that even after the regular season ends, there are going to be some memorable moments in postseason play and some very memorable moments that fans will remember for a long time here on The Banks. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.